What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with death metal legend Carl Willits of Memoriam. Carl and I chatted about Memoriam's brand new album, Requiem for Mankind, out now on Nuclear Blast Records. Check it out. Yeah, let's talk about Requiem for Mankind. It's out uh, next week, June June 21st. Good idea. I'd love to chat with you about a myriad of topics, but the album is the number one topic. And uh, it is fantastic, man. It is brutal. It is smart. It is terrifying. It is everything I wanted in a, in another memoriam record. So thank you. Good. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that you like it. That starts the interview off on a, on a, good, <laughs> got on a good note there. It would have been, if you didn't like it, it would have been quite difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah we're very proud of... Uh, what we've achieved with this, this third album, you know, we were very aware that uh, it being the third album, we had to um, do something a little bit special, and uh, I think we've achieved that by the bucket load with this one. You know, it's um, very much a, a product of the time. You know, it's it's um, you know our third album in three years. You know, we we're working at a, a pretty uh, frenetic, voracious pace. And um, it's great, yeah. We, we kind of kind of living by that ethos and the moniker of, of not kind of standing still too much, and kind of dwelling too much on what we've done, and just pushing forward and, and kind of like letting our creative juices flow. And you know, first album, second album, great. Um, but we've learned a lot, you know, as a band. You do, you know, when you first get together, we we went in together three years, so you do kind of learn a lot. In even after being involved in the industry for you know thirty odd years, it's it's still you know a learning process when you kind of getting together with musicians to create albums and make music, and that's that's the exciting part of it, really, you know. And uh, we've experimented and tried things on the first two albums, but I feel that with this third album, the uh, the Requiem for Mankind, we have uh, produced what we the definitive um, memoriam album you know it is uh, I think without the experiences um, of recording the previous two albums uh, we couldn't have re- reached this point um, but we now are very very um, very happy with what we've achieved because really in all reality um, there's not a lot different in the way that we write the songs not a lot different in the way we structure the songs there's not a lot of difference in the way that we um, you know have kind of like recorded the, yeah kind of deliver the songs in the studio you know we still the vocals the, the music it's always recorded in particularly the same way but the only the major huge impact and difference with this album is the fact that this time around we decided to engage the services of an independent specialist to help us with the production and that's really what's made the difference using um, getting Russ Russell on board has made a massive impact on what we do and, and um, has helped us incredibly uh, his kind of input into the new album in my opinion really cannot be understated because um, we involved him at a very early stage we've always kind of wanted to work with him and he's always kind of wanted to work with us yeah he's a good mate of ours but you know we, we were working at such a fast pace our, our schedules never kind of really aligned but uh, the third one we managed to make it happen so I mean you were going to be using him we, we basically started even at the rough embryonic demo stages of writing the songs we sent them over to us so he could, could get a feel and, a, and get an idea of what we were trying to achieve and what the sounds we were kind of trying to develop so he was 
pretty much involved with the songs from the word go. And that really helped with the process because he listened to them, he came up with some ideas that he wanted to do, which very much aligned with our own ideas as well. And um, so when we finally went into the studio in Impala Studios in February 2019 to record, you know, he had a very clear, concise idea what he wanted to achieve and how he wanted to get the sounds. Um, which was great, you know, to have that extra kind of like external kind of input and that kind of like extra set of eyes to help guide us uh, in that was, um, yeah, as, as really helped us considerably. And um, it was an absolute joy to uh, to record it. You know, it went really, really smoothly. And I could possibly say it's one of the, the best experiences I've ever had in a studio at any point within our career. So my career through throughout the 30-odd years that I've been doing this for. So, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a great... Um, a great point to be at within our career and we now feel that we have a blueprint to work to work with you know we have got the we found the sounds we'll definitely be using um, you know russ russell and his services and his studio in the future for sure amazing um i think it's really telling that uh even at this stage of the game uh you know a veteran band with legendary uh you know, players and performers like yourself and Andrew and Frank, uh, I think it says a lot that you guys are still very hungry and still willing to accept input and actually seek out a collaborator like an actual active producer, not somebody to just turn knobs, but actually contribute and, you know, advise and say this, not that. And, you know, it says a lot about your willingness to keep it, you know, high. High production value, high you know standard. I mean, for, for me, you know, the creativity of being in a band is everything. You know, it's, it's the excitement and uh, the reason to do a band for me is to kind of is the creation of new music and and uh, you know that those those little magical moments in in the rehearsal room when when songs you've kind of worked out all come together and they work. They fit, and they flow, and they they come out to be something phenomenal. Um, he's amazing, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, kind of going back to it, I think what was missing was that kind of that big epic sound, um, which which is what it was was brought to the album for us. He brought a big, full, crisp, uh, retaining that dirtiness and heaviness, obviously, and that memoriam feel. But he's brought this intensity and this, this kind of like larger-than-life sound to it, which is, which is really what we've been looking for the past two or three years, but never quite achieved. So, uh, yeah, it's brilliant to get someone else in, involved. In, in many respects, it kind of takes a lot of pressure off your own shoulders as well because you can just concentrate on... Yeah, doing the music without, without having to try and think about you know kind of the levels and, and, and how it should sound at the at the end of it, and it's great to get someone else involved that's got that um, that perspective. And he's got such a he's, he's an absolute wizard in the studio. He, he's, you know, there are examples where where we say, well, you know, that bit there doesn't sound too right. You know, can you can you redo it? And you know, you know Scott will get his set of guitar and, and get to the, the bit where he had to redo it. But by the time he got there, Russ had kind of like, you know, just pressed a few knobs on, on his computer and just did a bit of copy and paste, whatever it is. Well, there it is. And he's done it. You know, he's just an amazing kind of, um, he's got such a great insight into what, you, what you're doing as well, which, you know, it was, it was great. So, um, yeah, all power to, to Mr. Russ Russell. I owe him a pint or two, I think. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, he's a lovely man. We'll send him a box of fruit at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> he loves that. I bet. He loves that. Um, 
you know, I could talk at length about the music, but where I want to jump in with you also is about lyrics. I've always been a fan of your lyrics and I think it's very, I don't want to oversimplify it and say that it's, you know, protest music, but it is very smart and very topical and always very politically charged. And I think some of these songs like Shell Shocked and Never the Victim and Austerity Kills and, the, you know, Requiem for Mankind, the title track, are going to really resonate with people, you know, in 2019, both here in America and and certainly at home for you guys. Um, you know, uh, I love the fact that, you know, it's present, but it's also, you know, very, unfortunately, very timeless. These same problems continue to befoul society. So what's, what's pissing you off, man? <laughs> for mankind is it seems to be an ongoing issue throughout, uh, throughout history, but you know, specifically, as you say, topically right now at this point in, in history, during these very turbulent, troubled times that we are experiencing, um, you know, I think it's it's great to to have that opportunity to be able to write lyrics that, that uh, have some kind of social meaning and have some kind of ref, draw some reference on the world around us. And you know, for me to have that ability to to be able to write lyrics about things that that I feel are important, you know, politically, economically, socially, environmentally, what it may it be, whatever, is an absolute privilege. You know, for sure. The ideas I've been writing in the lyrics, it's kind of always been like a little kind of subverted text to the lyrics I write. But uh, with Memoriam, I can explore these themes you know, rather more overtly, which I am relishing the opportunity and really enjoying being able to uh, to get on my little political, my political soapbox and, and pontificate and have the issues that uh, in the world that, uh, that I see are, are uh, wrong and evil and, and causing a lot of people a lot of problems. So, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, uh, exciting, um, as, a, as a lyricist in particular, place to be in, you know, with, with the issues uh, uh, you know, around us. I don't really need to dwell on it too much. I'm talking about the, the rise of the right wing ideology which is a, a, a global a global disease um, you know it's just a, a, such a rich source of lyrical inspiration out there you know hallelujah for the likes of Donald Trump he gives me a plentiful kind of you know a, a plentiful kind of like ideas and, 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 and things upon and, and you know that he's, he, the politics of hate that are there and fear are um, endemic across society you know in all in all countries and um, you know I think it's my position as a as a lyricist as a, as a songwriter to raise my head above the parapet and you know make social kind on, on what is is right or wrong you know a lot of people say well you know you know you should keep you know, politics out of music, you know, Matt, oh, just, there's no place for it, you know, it's, it's a separate thing, that's bullshit, you know, that's absolutely bullshit, all music that has any meaning to me involves some form of political discourse, you know, I come from a, a rich heritage of uh, my sphere of influence is really from the, the late, mid to late 80s, anarcho-punk scene, you know, we're talking, you know, discharge, crass, anti-state, all these kind of like bands that were kind of like, uh, had a very strong political coming from and having the ability to, to write about that in a more overt manner is something that I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying doing. 
Well, we're, uh, I think uh, I'm enjoying it, and I think everybody that hears this record is going to enjoy it. And one final thought about the lyrics is that what I really love is there's no mincing of words or dancing around concepts. It's very, you know, there's great there's great lyricism in there, but it's very straight and to the point. I, I'm reminded of the title, you know, the, I'm sorry, the lead track, Shell Shock. I often think of the late comedian uh, George Carlin, who used to say, you know, like euphemistic language is to soften us up and dumb us down. And, you know, Shell Shock is a terminology that is from literally World War II and um, and the Korean War and the Vietnam War. And so, you know, we I, no disrespect to anyone suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, but Shell Shock is a lot more direct and to the point and gets you in the heart and tells you what we're talking about you know so i, I really appreciate your take as an opening track i think it really works in that respect it kind of really kind of like sets the agenda for the rest of the album in that respect and you know the the concept of it is really about you know kind of like third world war to a certain extent and then the uh, the effects of the irony of being and of being shot by your own battalion uh yeah and, and you know ptsd is still here it, it, that's a theme that comes through on, on another song called the veteran as well which uh, um, you know, I really kind of enjoyed writing that song. You know, the song's not about, about uh, you know, a hero with, uh, you know, medals of honour and kind of a, the glorious victory of war and things like that. It's about the way that uh, a large percentage of um, homeless people throughout the world, you know, and it's a, a growing phenomenon, you know, as poverty and uh, austerity kicks in and, and the effects of PTSD and mental disorder and, and addiction all add up. And, and, yeah, the levels of homeless people you see on the streets just seems to be growing, you know, endemically uh, year by year by year. And a large percentage of that, um, of people that are homeless are ex-military forces. And it just feels, you know, such a shame that these people have, you know, served their country and gone to far-flung parts of the world and witnessed and been involved in, in horror that you or me could never comprehend or, or understand or or deal with it. And they've, they've come back, had difficulty reintegrating with society and, um, you know, ultimately failed. And, and you know, it's the... It's the responsibility of the government and responsibility. To, there's a military covenant. All, all countries have a military covenant to, to uh, take care of the, the troops that return from uh, from war. And that is just not being honoured. And that's what that song's all about. It's it's kind of a you know a tribute um, to those people. In fact, we've just completed uh, just this week uh, a video for that track, The Veteran, which is um, actually composed by the... Um, a guy, a, a, an, ex, an ex-veteran, you know, he, he served in um, in Iraq and uh, did some tours of duty there. So the, the video footage within the uh, the video is, is his actual live footage that he shot from his own body cam and his experiences there. Uh, so it's a very, very personal um, video. And it, then he goes on to, to express his experiences when he returned back to the UK and the hospital, he treat, he, he, hospital treatment he received for his PTSD. And So yeah, that, that's been all put together and that should be being released at the end of the month. So I'm quite keen, interested to see what kind of reception that gets because it's a very personal from the heart kind of uh, take on, on the song, uh, which, is, yeah, which it is. It's, it's a very uh, personal song. It's, in a way, in many ways, it's quite difficult to write it because you know, to do it justice and, and not to be, you know, dis, not to give it disservice, not to be packed 
patronising in any way. You know, so you have to find that, that really good balance to to, uh, to, to, yeah, to be sincere about it and, and write about it how it is. And be direct, as you say. There's no point me beating around the bush with these issues and caging your words in flowery language. You know, it's... Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough place we live in, and uh, it's projecting the lyrics that I write. Killer. Uh, another thing I love about the record, and, and again, true to the uh, memoriam style, is uh, that the album and the sound of the band is, of course, you know, very rooted in old school death metal. But also, again, maybe it's partly the production, and I think partly it's the writing style. It it doesn't ever feel dated. It feels like very modern, you know, current, you know, you know, just the current style and the old feel, which I love. <clears throat> well, yeah, that, that, that's that's what really kind of works for it with us. In, uh, in memoriam because because you've got me and you've got Frank and you've got Whale who are very much from that you know mid to late 80s anarcho grind punk kind of background when all of a sudden you know bands like you know Metallica and Slayer and Amtrak suddenly appeared from out of nowhere and, and this whole extreme then you know the Swedes the Swedes and the Europeans you know, the whole world kind of like embraced this extreme metal kind of thing. Um, so there, that's that's our kind of roots. That's where we're coming from. But Scott, he's like a generation younger than us. He's about 10 years younger than us. So his sphere of influence is more the mid to late 90s kind of progressive technical death metal sound. You know, you're talking you know, lots of monstrosity and and defleshed and he was really into like strapping young lad and, and you know Devin Townsend and all that kind of stuff you know which really to be to be perfectly honest means nothing to me I don't really know anything about that stuff but he that's what inspires him so he brings all his guitar riffs that are inspired by that and he adds it to to our kind of vocals and, and yeah for the bass and, and that's the blend of those two things make it what it is and make it make that unique sound what is memoriam and um yeah, that that's that alongside the big production, which enhances that, is, is what goes hand in hand and has made it work so well specifically with this new album as well. Killer, I, I can't wait for people to hear this. Uh, Carl, as we wind things down, I know you guys have some shows booked, uh, a record release show at the Underworld and uh, some local shows, some European gigs and uh, even some stuff further out in the fall. Uh, any hope of getting the band over here to the U.S.? Uh, that would be my that's my wish list here. Selfishly. Yeah, well, yeah, we'd love to. Never say never. Uh, the reality of the situation is we've been going for three years now and we haven't had a single sensible, reasonable offer off any any American promoter. That's the reality of it. And, you know, in many respects, um, you know, logistically and financially, it is quite difficult for us to get over there. We're not a band that are going to be jumping in a tour coach and going on an extended six to eight week tour of anywhere you know, on the planet. You know, we've kind of done all that in the past with our other bands. And, you know, at this point in our lives, we've all got kind of like different responsibilities and commitments that are outside the band. You know, we've got jobs, we've got kids. You know, I take care of my mother. She's got some dementia. So, you know, we pretty much kind of like to do things on our terms and just do shows at weekends. You know, our age, a lot of people only go to shows at weekends. You know, I don't really want to play, you know, the, the back end of New Jersey on a Tuesday night to 30 people. That really doesn't hold any uh, fascination or idea of joy to me. Um, so, yeah. I mean, if, never say never, obviously. What would be ideal is if the people from Maryland Death Festival got in touch with us. 
and um, <laughs> offered us something. So that often works. It worked with, with Bolter as a bit of a, yeah, a a springing board to get over there to do two or three shows. Yeah, it'd be nice to go, get over and do a few, you know, core shows in some you know big cities and maybe do that over a week. And we were, we'd be well up for doing that. But financially, it, it costs a lot to get you over there and, and travel. Yeah, the internal travel and the accommodation. So yeah. <laughs> We're waiting for the offers. Let's see what happens. That's just a question of watch this space. Indeed. I'm going to put the word into the uh, minds of Maryland Death Fest and everybody. You know, there's a we've finally America's finally getting some reasonably great uh, metal festivals. Surprising. Maybe <laughs> that, that, that we haven't had any offers offline. Because we developed quite a, you know, a close relationship with with, with Baltra. So, I, you know, I did think at some points, it's, uh, be it the, you know, the Dutch death fest or they do death fests across the world but we haven't had, we haven't had any communication with them whatsoever I think they might have offered us 50 pounds for a packet of chips <laughs> when we first started to play it which we um, which we kind of turned down obviously right <laughs> ouch but, um, yeah, yeah I mean yeah it'd be great to do that but um, I wouldn't hold your breath okay fair enough sir uh, the great Carl Willits of Memoriam. It has been an honor and fantastic to talk to you, sir. And I hope everybody goes out and gets this record and and buys all the vinyl and buys all the shirts and buys all the merch and we can at least get your pockets full if we can't get you here. Absolutely. What you need to do is go there. Make, make us really big in America so the promoters cannot ignore our presence and have to t- book us for a reasonable fee. <laughs> Indeed. That's the way forward, people. Let's do this. Indeed. Thank you so much for your time and thanks for hanging out with Ghost Cold. I appreciate you. Nice one, Keith. A pleasure to talk to you, my friend. All the best. Have a good day. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also, check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out.